Hey, it's Bill Simmons. The NFL playoffs are in full swing, and the Ringer NFL Show has you covered for all your pro football needs. Sunday night, get Michael Lombardi and Tate Frazier's rapid reactions on GM Street. On Tuesdays, the Ringer NFL Show with Robert Mays, Kevin Clark, and regular guest Danny Kelly break down all the biggest angles on Wednesday. GM Street again on Thursdays. Clark, Mays, and Danny are back at it again. And on Friday, GM Street's Friday Focus gives you all the insight you need for gambling, fantasy, and everything else. Don't forget about my podcast, too, on Mondays. The BS Podcast, Cousin Sal and I playing Guest Alliance. More importantly, The Ringer NFL Show. Subscribe right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? This is your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE Superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. And you are listening to The Masked Man Show. And you're listening to The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm David Shoemaker. My tag team partner, Dave Schilling, is on the road working the circuit this week. Uh, but in his place, we have the one and only Nick Mundy. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. The Paul Roma of the Masked Man Show is <laughs> I've here. I've been calling you that forever. Husky Steve Kazee is here. Um, uh, and not just you, not to downplay your presence, but, but, but we also have Bruce Pritchard on the show. So please downplay my presence. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you stick around, Nick and I are going to chat for a few minutes, but then most of the show is us talking to Bruce. And basically, as, uh, as Nick just told me before we started recording, basically us just like sitting in silence and marking out like we're listening to uh, something to wrestle. Bruce, yeah. has, Bruce has got a live show in Brooklyn coming up. Um, so stick around for details on that and for a pretty lengthy conversation about Royal Rumble history and theory. Uh, I made that sound as boring as possible. Yeah, but it's it's better than way Dave sold it. It's really good. It's like interacting with your own something to wrestle with. That's uh, how you sell it. It's really great. Um, all right. So, um, not a lot of big news coming out of Raw and SmackDown this week. You you're, you're standing there like you have something important you want to no, say. No, there wasn't big news, but there were two my two big takeaways for the night. Do it. Man. Or I feel like Jason Jordan. I love everything that they're doing with Jason mm-hmm. Jordan. I mean, it's a real fine line that they could really screw up. Yeah, but they're doing it. And I think Jason Jordan's going to be the guy who gets Roman Reigns mm-hmm. over as a baby face for the mass audience, for like for everyone. Yeah. Because they're act- my big problem with WWE is people don't react naturally to the words and actions people are saying, mm-hmm. not like human beings. <laughs> like they, they, uh, they react the opposite. And that's a problem, I think, with the show. But like Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns being annoyed with Jason Jordan being a kiss ass. Which is very early Kurt Angle, too. Yes. Which I is probably coincidence, but I wish it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they did this on purpose. I bet, uh, I bet Jason's watching some old Angle tapes. Sure, but, like, if that's the, the you know, Vince's plan. Like the thought process, yes. yeah. Um, and they're reacting, like, naturally to, this, like, this thing. And, yeah. and not only did that, but Finn Balor came out with the club. And they all seemed comfortable for the first time in a while. Yeah. And Finn was so like that. All of that was great. And then, you know, Braun Strowman killed another. Like, there's always murder involved with Braun Strowman, and it's <laughs> the best thing in the world. Oh, there's nothing better than Braun Strowman breaking stuff. They should just let him. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they took a little bit of time off. There would be nothing left to break if they, if they had, had him keep breaking things. Sure, but. Oh, this was a good one. I'm, he, had, he had a big rope in a harness, and he. It was the best thing. Do you, I, do you think that the do you, in kayfabe? Do you think that the employee that brought the grappling hook to the stadium got fired after that segment? No, because I think Braun is. I feel Braun is the smartest WWE wrestler of Ooh. all time. Like he's like the ox from the like the Simpsons taunty episode. It <laughs> was episode. No, he is the smartest wrestler in the history of professional wrestling because he brought his own grappling hook. Mm. He knows how to do it. Like. Um, but inverse to my first point was the whole Shane McMahon, uh, Daniel Bryan on SmackDown, yeah, not being able to read the room. Mm-hmm. Like Shane McMahon was doing heel stuff 
yeah. for a while. He's still doing heel stuff. Daniel Bryan's doing good guy stuff. Yeah. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were right. Yes. They're just... And Shane Shane McMahon's you, the biggest face in WWE. In the biggest Smackdown. heel in WWE. But like, but they're portraying oh, but him. they're portraying him as a face. Yeah. yeah. No, no, you're preaching in the choir here. I've been complaining about this forever. And I think if there was ever... I mean, if... Uh, it's so hard to know what their plan is. But if he wasn't enough of a heel already, that like three sizes too small Henley he wore on Tuesday night was like the, was it heel out? Was it heel oh, top? Yeah. Like start to finish. He's wearing sweaters from structure in 1998. <laughs> like, oh man. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird look. I, I, I keep thinking that they must be, they're just toying with this. Cause listen, there are a lot of people that thought that they were that they were authentically trying to get Jason Jordan over as a babyface when he came to Raw. I think they did. I think they course corrected. Well, may, maybe, but he but he's not. It's not like he he made a you know a right hand turn or anything. I mean, he's. But they read the room, and I I don't think they're reading. Daniel Bryan can't do a heel like he will never be a heel in the eyes of most of the audience. Maybe. Like unless he but not this way. That's I mean this this seems like I mean it just seems like I mean thank God AJ's there. If they sure. were, if they were trying this with Randy Orton in the AJ role, <laughs> oh, it would, there would you know it would be hopeless. Um, and and Owens is one of those few guys, and Sami Zayn certainly has earned that has earned this too. He's one of the few people that you kind of that even a smart fan like you or I will boo out of respect. Right? Sure, sure. Like we, we'll play along with him, but we're not trying to to but cheer them into the main for, event. But it's harder with them because like. Kevin Owens is this great thing of like using logic <laughs> to apply to things. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, he's right. Yeah. And he's been right yeah. since this whole feud with Shane McMahon. So that's my whole thing. My other concern, my big concern is I'm really concerned about WrestleMania this year. Mm. I don't want to be like complaining about stuff. Grant, I just, I loved Wrestle Kingdom. But WrestleMania doesn't have like even conceptually an idea for like a great match this year that we haven't seen, or mm. that's very interesting. I, are you concerned at all? I was just getting your opinion. I think that, yeah, I mean, listen, we all complain when, when the rock comes in for uh, half a month, you know, and films and backstage segments and gets a main event says you, no, no, no. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying there is, we all in sure. like, wrestling fans in general, but yeah, at least that that's WrestleMania. It feels like a moment. I think that the the thing that they have right now, uh, I mean, obviously they have the hype of the Rumble, which is coming up, and they have that's a lot of power that they that they misspend or they have misspent in many of the past few years, um, and certainly not the main. I mean, I guess they have the main event at the. I mean, the the title match at the Rumble too. If they want to do something with Braun, you know that that'll that'll certainly up the ante for WrestleMania a little bit. But I think that the real power, I think that the, the tool they have is Roman Reigns. And I don't think that, you know, Roman versus Brock one-on-one -on -one for the title, I think will be a sort of letdown because of not just what Roman Reigns has gone through uh, in his never-ending ascent, but also the expectations that we have for WrestleMania. Absolutely. But I think that the power that they have, the tool that they have is playing against our expectations or our assumptions about Roman Reigns. And if Roman Reigns, if they, you know, if, if they're able to make, you know, put Roman Reigns in that spot, but then have somebody else take it from him or something like there's, there are ways that they can make, that they can make the main event feel really important because what's important now is the way that we see them telling the story, right? Sure. If it, as much as we complain, the way that they've had to kind of rewrite Roman Reigns on the fly every WrestleMania season for the past few years has been really compelling, right? Mm -hmm. And so if they, if just, you know, I'm not advocating for this, but if Roman Reigns were to win the Royal Rumble and then somehow like Finn Balor takes his spot at WrestleMania, like that feels like a huge moment in professional wrestling history, yeah. you know? So I don't know. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's time to, it, we, you know, I guess we'll know more after the Rumble, but. I mean, but like, I think like a year ago, like you could see like, before they got hurt, you saw Triple H, Seth Rollins, and like you were excited for that match. Yeah. You had Kevin Owens versus Jericho. Yeah. Like you don't have like AJ and Nakamura might main event or might be for the uh -huh. title, but they're so not behind Nakamura. I don't I don't see it happening, and I don't know if they'll get the time or the the match that we want from them. Yeah. Uh, it's just there's not a lot of like I think momentum. Yeah. 
That's the problem with making WrestleMania season so long is that you just sort of like trip over yourselves. And we don't even get Cena versus Roman. That could have been like a cool Cena, Well, there'll be Cena versus somebody. Jinder Mahal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Um, is it, uh, there, there, A lot of stuff has happened this week. Matt Hardy apparently nego- has negotiated the rights from TNA to use all of the the back catalog or at least the, 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 the intellectual property of Broken Matt Hardy, which is great. Um, uh, just a, f- a few notes. I'm just going to say the things that happened this week. And if anything, if you want to say anything, sure. say it. Um, I'll start with SmackDown and go in reverse chronological order because we were just talking about that. Um, uh, I think Ruby Riot's really good. I think that she's getting dogged because of this weird double. They need to get rid of this faction because there's yeah. just no point to it. Just make Ruby Ruby Riot a singles. And- I will wear a Riot Squad T-shirt if the Riot Squad is like I, as a fan of Ruby Riot, sure. am a member of the Riot Squad. And those are they're, they're nice shirts too. I think uh, there's a qualitative difference between the two factions because I really like. Speaking of, I thought Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville had yeah. some of their best in ring stuff. Yep. Um, you're right. Maybe it's just in comparison. Um, the uh, oh, well, speaking of which, Becky Lynch, um, who is always going to be one of my favorite wrestlers, um, is she and Sami Zayn are now partners in this? What, what, what is the tournament called? The Mixed Max. I'm so excited about this, even though I don't know the name, because it's really just like we're booking an alternate reality, almost. Sure, yeah, I mean, that's what and that's all we've ever wanted is we want to show like a real brand split or just like some you know, just like variance in the product. I'm very excited for Finn Balor and Sasha Banks to make to the main event mm-hmm. and they both come out in demon makeup. <laughs> oh wow, that would be really I've great. been very excited since Finn Balor made it to the main roster and I thought Seth Rollins was gonna do it in a feud with them where someone well, I guess we were gonna kinda get with Sister Abigail, but that was gonna be shitty. Yeah. Where like the Finn Balor's opponent comes out in demon his own demon makeup. Yeah. That, I think that's gonna be a cool moment. Whenever that happens, Benjamin and Gable seem to be sort of turning heel. They need a they need a heel team because the Usos are fa- baby faces. Yeah, I like Benjamin and Gable are are they immediately won me over with their dickishness. And, oh yeah, and Rusev and, and Nate English are you know he, nominally heels, but they they're not going to get booed anytime soon. Let's jump to Raw real quick. Balor Club, like you said, they're back and they or they're together and they seem like they're having fun. Yeah, it's just funny. It's like making making. Gals and Anderson a little bit more serious and and but letting them still be funny enough to sort of like bring Finn up and not have him be just so like deathly serious. It's just the, the middle ground there is really nice. The biggest so, issue with them is finding opponents. Dude, they just got to make the Survivor Series a King of Trios tournament. They, like there's so many three there's yeah. so many three person factions in wrestling. It's so much do easier. You, does WWE bring a trios championship to? Do you bring a trios championship? Maybe it's tough just because there's because of the brand split. It's there's, got cross brands though, like because yeah. like New Day versus. Well, that's what the. I mean, if they if the mix match thing works, maybe there's space for that. Just have a trios tournament for the network or for Facebook. Yeah, that'd be like that'd that. be rad. Actually, and the New Day would be. Uh, oh, would, going back to the U.S. tournament, who's your pick? Who's your pick, and who do you want to win? I mean, I, I really feel like this is gender that we're we're booking towards. I mean, that's that's the way we're headed. Um, sure, and Bobby Roode also makes a lot of sense, and them feuding probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, abs- absolutely true. That being said, I want Xavier Woods. One hundred percent agree. Yeah, I don't care. Doesn't make sense. Only but- because the, the the celebration in the ring after he won would feel so authentic. Because we'd all be we'd be like, holy shit! I can't believe they just booked that. And they needed like I've always want. There needs to be a pay per view where New Day, each guy in the New Day is fighting for a championship. Totally agree. Totally agree. Like that old DX, in your house DX? Yep. Yeah. Um, let's see. The Miz is back and the world is a better place. Uh, he's so good. Um, we talked about Braun Strowman breaking things. It's, it's, it's an interesting time to bring back the Braun Strowman breaking things, I'll just say, because I, I just, I'm, I'm very interested in the shape of this three-way feud moving towards the Royal Rumble. It's, it could be, I don't know. It's, I, I, this would be an easy, an easy opportunity to sort of like, just put, just keep Brock looking good. I mean, I guess you, you don't, it's not the, I mean, the, the three of them together sells the match enough and the Royal Rumble match itself is the main calling card of the show. Um, it's interesting that you're kind of really putting Strowman over in the run up because he's hype enough. Do you put Cena versus Braun at WrestleMania? Ooh, Cena's going to lie down? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that would be pretty awesome. I agree. Um, okay. Put the titles on him. Um, oh, God. Uh, Samoa Joe's apparently hurt again. Yeah, but it's he broke his planner fish. That's not good. Yeah, uh, no, but I I think he'll be back for the Rumble. Yeah, 
Because I, because they were just setting up Cena versus Joe. Yeah. Well, he he they didn't know he was hurt until after he cut yeah, that promo. It's a but, great great promo. But we also could do Joe versus Cena at WrestleMania, and I'd be happy with that. Oh, That's a match I would be excited about. I said it before in the show. I was watching that old what 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 was their promotion that they were in out here in L.A. Pete PWA. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it was, but the, but there there's vi- there's footage of them like in training camp together. Yeah. No, they came up together and like they did wild divergent splits but yeah it's it's unbelievable they could tell a good story that would be a good wrestlemania yeah it it, it could be really fun all right let's get into our interview right now with the great bruce pritchard but before we do let's take a very quick break january means three things cold weather the nfl playoffs and the bachelor the ringer podcast network has responded by spinning off Juliet Littman's incredible podcast, Bachelor Party, into its own feed. Every Monday night, right after the show ends on ABC, we post Juliet's breakdown of the latest episode. Juliet's guests include former bachelors like Ben Higgins, former contestants like Ashley I, the ringer's very own Roger Sherman, and super fans like the sports gal. She was great this week, by the way. It's the most amazing and dramatic podcast you'll ever have. Tell the Bachelor superfan in your life to subscribe to Bachelor Party right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Art19, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, Bruce Prichard. And now we are joined by the one, the only, the living legend, Bruce Prichard. Bruce, how are you doing today, man? I'm absolutely excellent. How are you guys doing? Doing great. <laughs> I'm really good, man. Um... Listen, but before we get before we get in, I want to say right off the top that you have a you have a big live show coming up in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center Friday, January nineteenth. It's a it's a it's a doubleheader with the Brooklyn Nets for one low ticket price. You can get an NBA game, the Nets versus the Heat, and right after the game will be a some will be a live something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson. Tickets start as low as thirty five bucks and can be purchased at boxofgimmicks.com. Um, I wish I could be there for that. I know. I can. Can the ringer send us on a trip? We it, could. It's funny. Yeah, maybe so. I'll talk to somebody about that. It's funny because they make these basketball arenas. They're, they're like they're turning more and more into very specific single purpose venues for basketball. I guess double purpose basketball and like Beyonce concerts. Yeah. But the Barclays Center is an incredible venue for for wrestling, and it's a, it's a really it'll be a really incredible space to see Bruce. I'm I'm excited about it. I'm not nearly as excited as I am. I, I can go now. That was a great plug. Thank you very much. Don't forget. <laughs> you know, hey, boxofgivings.com, Friday, January 19th. No, this is a huge deal to us because it's our first co-promotion with a group like Barclays Center and the Brooklyn Nets. So to be a part of them and the fact that they reached out to us, we're really excited about this. I think it's going to be a real cool Cool experience. You get an NBA basketball game, and then you get us live. Wow. I mean, how much better can life be? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Bruce, uh, I am, and everyone here at the uh, Ringer is a huge fan of you, uh, your podcast with Conrad Thompson. Are you guys, with your popularity now, like the third or fourth most popular wrestling promotion? Like, you guys could put on shows now and be one of the top guys in, in, in the country. I thought we were first. Um, well, no, yeah. no. <laughs> I'm talking about like wrestling promotion. I'm not talking about podcasts. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. <laughs> I'm on the, I'm, I'm on, hey, we're on the same road, man. We're like <laughs> same direction. I don't know. It's it's absolutely insane the amount of people that listen and download our show. And quite frankly, I'm pretty humbled by that fact. But we're just out there doing our thing and having some fun and telling a few old stories. Well, it's amazing. You guys have a you've you've done a couple of five hour shows, five and a half hour shows. And I'm like, look, I'm a busy guy. I got, I'm married. Uh, I don't have time. I'm listening to every single thing. I like, like, I can't. I'm not putting it down. I, I totally agree. For some reason, the lo- it, it, there's an inverse relationship. Like the longer it is, the more I'm just like, I don't. I won't have time for it. The more definitely I'm going to listen to every minute of it. Yeah. It's really crazy. I know. I, I listened to the to the uh, Dustin Rhodes one. What was it last week? The week before? Yeah. I was like, yeah, last week. Pseudo. I was like, just getting back from vacation and and trying to get back into my my work life and and just listen to every minute of it. It was incredible. Well, you know, everybody told us, they gave us all these rules, a whole list of do's and don'ts on podcasts. And one of them was that we shouldn't go over an hour. We shouldn't curse and we shouldn't go over an hour. And <laughs> the podcast depends on what who your guest is. Well, we don't have guests. <laughs> we 
curse a little bit and we definitely go over an hour. So I think yeah. that uh, those I, rules are not as steadfast as they were. I hope our producer Jim is listening to this right now. He needs to, he, he, we need to have a talk with him afterwards. Wrap it up. Um, this, this episode's going five hours. Well, listen, <laughs> Bruce, the big news of the week, uh, if there's any news bigger than your Barclays Center show, is that it was announced on Raw that you were that you were going or that Brother Love will be making an appearance at the 25th anniversary edition of Raw. Uh, you got any? You, you got, is there a story there? How did that, how did that come about? I wish there was. I really and truly wish there was. I didn't even know that they were going to announce it when they did. Oh, wow. I was at home and I wasn't watching, wasn't watching the show. And all of a sudden my phone was in another room. My wife says, somebody's trying to get a hold of you. And I went in and I had about 12 messages and my message thing keeps going off and I start reading them and people are saying, Hey, you're going to be on raw. And I'm like, what? I said, they <laughs> just announced you on uh, SmackDown. So I didn't even know that they were going to announce it. We, it's not a big deal. They asked me if I was available. I said, I was, they asked me if I'd like to be a part of it. I said, I would. And that's about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm honored that they even asked me and, and grateful and thankful that they asked me. I think it's a pretty cool deal. And it's been nine, ten years since I've been there. And I'm looking forward to going back and saying hello and seeing some old friends. Is it when was the last time you, you put the the brother love get up on? A long time. <laughs> I don't even have I I don't even have one anymore. I had to uh order a suit and get everything because I had done an appearance in 2009, maybe <laughs> where I, I wore a jacket and I wore uh, a shirt. Maybe it was 2000, maybe it was 2009. I don't even know, but it was a long time ago. And when I left, I threw, I threw it out going over the gorilla monsoon throughout his wrestling gear. The last time he wrestled, uh, over the George Washington bridge. <laughs> so I threw mine out in Galveston. The appearance was in Galveston, Texas, and I took everything off to go home and I chunked it in the Bay in Galveston Bay. Oh man, that thing I'm from Houston myself. That, that place is polluted as it is. Come yeah. on, man. I mean, that's, <laughs> it was, you know, the suit, dis the suit disintegrated. <laughs> The uh, I, I guess I'm a little bit disappointed. I just sort of imagined that you just put the whole gimmick on for Halloween every year and answered the door every time the kids knocked on it as Brother Love. I thought that I mean that that that's the that's the move as far as I'm concerned. No, I I, I really and truly just I had a couple of shirts that I had I'd had custom shirts done uh, embroidered many many years ago. I had a couple of those left over that I found when I moved. But everything else went Galveston Bay. I, I just <laughs> I hit a point where I said I'm I'm done and chunked it. Then you had to meet Conrad Thompson, that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so you correct me if I'm wrong. You were you were at WWE for the first Royal Rumble. Is that correct? Yeah, that was the very first live show. Well, Survivor Series was, but the first live television show that I ever wrote and produced. That's, I mean, that's, that's perfect for getting a window in to how this event goes down from the, from the beginning. I mean, maybe this has changed over the years. So let me, so, so, so say so if it's true, but what, is there a, is, is there, is there a way that you, from a, from a booking perspective, from a, from a backstage perspective that you lay out the Royal Rumble? Is there, is there, is there a method to this madness? There is. And you, you kind of work backwards for many years the first few years, Pat Patterson did it on his own. And then Pat and I began working together, just kind of laying it all out because it's an awful lot for one guy to, to have to lay out. You're talking really about 15 matches is you kind of lay this whole scenario out. We started working together on it and you have to, you know, you have to figure out your ending and then in the middle of it, you take a look at all of your players and all the different stories that you have encompassing this one match and figure out, okay, how do I further these stories? And along the way, how can we have some fun? And you just start, you start placing, 
and it's it's like a huge puzzle that you have to put together. There, there have been years that I actually took every name on the roster or in the rumble, wrote it on a piece of paper, and did my own drawing. Oh wow! Which Vincent Pat, I abruptly got yelled at. God, <laughs> damn it, that's stupid. I said, but let's try it. Let's see what happens if it were a shoot. If we really did this, it's not. So, um, we didn't do it that way, but I used to, every once in a while you would, we would do that to see what if, what would happen and maybe something cool would come out of it that you never would have seen if you were forced to book it that way. Well, I I know that you and Pat Patterson are are, are very close, uh, as, as an outsider, you know, here that you kind of hear two separate things about Pat Patterson. One, it's the genius that, like, oh yeah, Pat Patterson lay, cr- would lay out the entire Rumble match, you know, just stream of consciousness style or whatever. But then the other half is the Pat Patterson impression that you do, and like half the you know half the guys in the back over the years do. Explain to me how Pat Patterson conveys his plan for an hour long Royal Rumble. Is is there like is this like a crazy dry erase board situation, or is he just dictating how this whole thing goes? How, like, how, how does something that complex? get from Pat Patterson's brain under the, uh, under the script. Well, it's funny you say that at first it, it, we did use a dry erase board. Actually, we used a big chalkboard that we had everything up on. And then we just started writing it all out and giving different guys their segments of where they were. So if, if you entered fourth, that's where you got your segment. So, you know, you're entering fourth and you're going out, um, 10th by this guy, that was the segment that you had. And that was all you knew about the match. So it depended upon how we did it sometimes. And he would then get every, get everybody together and just, you got to lay it out in segments and you have to lay it out in time with people that are going to be at the ring. There's no need to go over everything with 30 guys because the guy that's coming in in 30 doesn't care what they're doing from one to 30. He's not in the ring. So you could go over it in segments. Now, Bruce, I went to, uh, you know, as I said, I was a Houston guy, um, grew up there. I went to the 89, uh, Royal rumble at the summit. John stud. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So that was my question was, I was, I always wondered this because it didn't kind of really happen, but like, was big John stud like on his way to a big push, like kind of replacing Hogan while he was doing, um, no holds, like, not no holds barred, but like probably suburban commando at the time. Vince saw stud stud was coming back and John had, Oh boy, that's a whole nother subject. But John, (laughs) John had conveyed what great shape he was in and how, uh, strong he was and so on and so forth. And Vince saw, stud coming back as an opportunity to make a, another huge baby face. And he thought if John was in this great cardiovascular shape that John claimed that he was in sight unseen <laughs> and had this massive strength that he said he had sight unseen that we could build a, another Hogan esque baby face. So John was coming in to be a top guy and to go right into an issue with Andre, the giant. The problem was, was John was not in great cardiovascular shape and his, let's see, how do I say this kindly? Well, the the fact that he told us that he was, he was deadlifting a thousand pounds was exaggerated at best. Um, so I, I'm doing these vignettes with him and, and I had, I had, uh, Hollywood weights, let's call them, that look like real weights, but they weigh about a pound. And I'm putting it on, and I've I've got maybe 400 total on there, maybe 350, and John's struggling to deadlift it. And I'm calling Vince, going, Vince, I've, I've got the bars loaded up. I maybe have... I don't know, 350. I don't even think I have 400, but he can barely get it up. Well, how much is it supposed to be? I said, well, I'm, I'm looking on here and I'm, I've got it on so that it looks like it's close to 800 pounds. But I said, my problem is he's struggling with it. The bar's not bending, which it would bend with that much weight. 
And frankly, it looks like shit. <laughs> so then John gets in the ring and John doesn't have, doesn't have the, uh, the cardio to really go. And it was just, uh, it was a nightmare, but we still gave it a shot and tried and stud didn't really like working with Andre that much because Andre didn't care for John a whole lot. <laughs> he would beat the hell out of him every night. Look, eight year old me bought it. He, okay, well, then in that case, here's the thing. We wanted the eight-year-old <laughs> you to buy, and you did. And thank you for that yeah. because that was the idea. And then uh, just follow-up, real quick question. How much do you miss the Summit? Because I think it's one of the most underrated places there ever I was. was. I went to the very last – the last event in the Summit was a ZZ – the first event in the Summit was a ZZ Top concert. Well, yeah. And the last and the last event in the summit was a ZZ Top concert. And I had the pleasure of being there for the very last one. And it was it was surreal. I was there with Mike McGee, who built the summit, and Jeff Gaines, who ran the summit. So it was it was a history making making event. It was um it was brutal. I go by it all the time and just kind of shake my head. Oh wow, that was such a great building. Yep. So you talked about the 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 decision making process that went that went behind uh, Big John Stud winning in '89. Um, after you know after that, Hogan won a couple of them. You know you weren't with the company for for a couple years in there, but the, you know the 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 next like decade of the Rumble or more is just a just a you know all star team. I mean everybody that's winning the Rumble looking back just seems like you know Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, all these people. Uh, how far in advance do you, does it, does the plan come together to sort of crown the rumble winner in the, in the, you know, the, the booking process? And do you have any good stories about, you know, decisions changing at the last minute? Well, it's interesting because the, the first Royal rumble that we did where we had decided that the winner of the Royal rumble would face the champion at WrestleMania was 93. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was my idea because the rumble prior to that was an event. And that is what sold the show was just the match itself. We didn't always have the top guys. However, the, the rumble where Ric Flair won the championship so great. was probably the best rumble match itself mm -hmm. in the history of the rumble. To me, the reason it was, was you had every top star in that match, every story was covered. Everybody had a spot and it didn't hurt anybody. And it may, it made flair, it made a few guys in there. So the idea was instead of just having the rumble, let's have the rumble be significant. The jump start to WrestleMania. So you got to get the, you got to be in the rumble to have a shot at getting to WrestleMania in the main event. And that's the reasoning behind why we why we changed it and put it in there. But it, it was there. There were different times. I think you know when we looked at uh, Lex winning one year, going into WrestleMania ten. Mm -hmm. You know we 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 were going to have Lex win the damn thing and Lex go on to to be the the winner of it, go to WrestleMania, and then. Brett's popularity was was coming up right behind that. We thought, wow, I think if we that's where we came up. We never had two winners before. We had done the double cage thing, but that was done in in uh, in post production where it was taped, so you could make sure they hit at the same time. This was live, and it involved Lex Luger, so it was <laughs> iffy at best that it would be pulled off. So you have to throw Bret Hart in there to make sure <laughs> that it comes off perfectly and that there's you you take away the human era and Bret Bret controlled Luger every step of the way going over the top rope and and made sure that they both hit exactly at the same time. But going through it year, you know, years you, you get to it sometimes and and you get into these what if scenarios, but I I think for the most part, we had a general idea of what we were doing going into WrestleMania with the Rumble winner. In your Steiner Brothers uh, episode of the Something to Wrestle With, uh, you pushed for Scott Steiner winning in 93. 
which would have been insane right. um, and great, um, especially looking back at the trajectory of Scott Steiner, which is still one of my favorite hobbies is just looking up old <laughs> Scott Steiner clips. Um, is there anyone else throughout your history with the Royal Rumble that you pushed yourself that got vetoed that you thought would have been, well, like an interesting winner for the Rumble going to, on the road to WrestleMania? Yeah, I really, uh, I really wanted Eddie Guerrero to win uh, the same year that Eddie won the championship from Brock, and and we did it a little differently than having Eddie win the Royal Rumble. Uh, that was one because I thought Eddie was the ultimate underdog in that type of a match, where you're looking at it and it's going to be in favor of the bigger guys and everything. And I thought that would have made Eddie Guerrero. We always looked at you would do things by mistake sometimes or just to see what would happen. Uh, Diesel standing in the ring by himself in the Royal rumble and eliminating yeah. people when he was Shawn Michaels bodyguard, all of a sudden we went rut row. <laughs> we got something here. And so we did that, you know, we did that with diesel. We did that with Kane. So we would try and pick, we'd pick people. We would call it the bushwhacker spot where somebody would, run into the rumble and be eliminated immediately afterwards. We did that with Lawler. We did it with the Bushwhackers. I think we did it with Honky Tonk Man. A few different people over the years. So they're now they've got the Kofi Kingston spot where he he gets eliminated, but he never touches the floor and and figures out ways to get back into the ring. That is one of my so, favorite parts of the rumble is not just the winner, but there's like almost like the second place the guy coming up is like Roman Reigns did it a few years ago. It's that diesel spot. It's called the diesel spot. And it's um then there's like the celebrity spot they did with JBL, like or like the the special guest yeah. like spot. And then there's like sometimes the celebrity spot. I mean, like you always have those, and that's what I think makes the rumble not just the most interesting for wrestling fans, but like outside wrestling fans too, or casual wrestling fans. Mm -hmm. Like my wife will sit down and like, hey, I remember DDP, yeah. you know, and he'll come out, you yeah. know, like or like you know, it, it's like it's one of the road warriors. It's because like then th that's one of the most fun parts about the Rumble. Hopefully, sure. The, the, the you get that you get that what if moment, and you get that moment of surprise and shock and nostalgia. The other part of that was AJ Styles when AJ came out a few years ago. People going what? But it was a great pop. Yeah, I know. That, I mean, that was unbelievable, and it's really hard to do now to surprise anybody. I mean, and and, and frankly, I mean, now New Japan's coming up, and we see we have you know with just the internet, we're exposed a lot more to to indie wrestling. But they're you know without without it without competition like they had in WCW, it's hard to find somebody that the that the live crowd is going to pop for. And AJ Styles, you know, was that guy. Um, they'd pop for Bruce. Oh, absolutely. Bruce coming back as brother love. Uh, oh yeah, for the it'd have to be a bushwhacker spot though, <laughs> <laughs> or it could just be a spot where I come down, I never get in the ring, and say, "Oh, the hell with it! I'm a lover, not a fighter," and leave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll probably do that now with somebody. Damn it! Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously you're not you're not uh, backstage with the company anymore. Um, although who knows what's going to happen after you show up on raw, but yeah, Vince is probably just gonna be like, I need you to do this promo, uh, pal. <laughs> um, but how much, I mean, how difficult do you imagine that it is for WWE? Like how much different is it? Is it making these Royal rumble decisions? I feel like the past, you know, several years, it's been really tough from a kind of crowd control standpoint that, you know, fans seem to have a lot higher expectations than what can be delivered and, and you know some and, and sometimes they're not they're not reacting in the way that you might want them to as the as the uh you know creative team well i think that when you listen to the audience and you truly listen to to the audience while on the outside it may be like oh they're not buying their stuff if they're reacting then they're buying your stuff um negatively or positively and sometimes like, you know, the Roman Reigns thing, everybody uses that as an example. That was just poor timing uh, in regards to Daniel Bryan coming back and so on and so forth. But they reacted and they were passionate about it. And they, I just, I love when an audience lets their feelings be known. That's, that's the best. If you do, if you do something like that and they don't care and they're silent, that's the worst. Yeah, but I, but if they if they cheer or boo heavily, you've done your job. 
Okay, we got a couple of questions from uh, from listeners now. All Royal Rumble, I think, related. Mike Epstein wants to know what's the biggest screw up that no one noticed during a rumble. <laughs> um, the we forgot to get Rick Martell out in the very first Royal Rumble. You forgot to eliminate him. Yeah, he. Uh, well, we finally got him out, but we realized midway through, looking at it, going, "Who's eliminating Martell?" It's like, "What? <laughs> Martell's still in there." I don't know who was supposed to eliminate him. We go through and go. He was never. We never had anybody to eliminate him, so Martell just kept working. <laughs> he knew he wasn't winning, but I don't know if he thought he was going to be the last one or what. But uh, so the next guy that we sent down, we said, "Go down and eliminate Martell. Get him out of there." <laughs> so that's how that's how Rick Martell got to be the Iron Man in the first Royal Rumble. Um, Trevor Zickrath asks uh, if the '92 Rumble is the best ever, which I think we'll all agree with. Sure. That. Um, what's the second best, and how? And we, yeah, what's the second best? Hmm. Be- besides the '89 Rumble, which I was at, and Big John stuff. <laughs> See, I, if I was hoping you're going to say the worst. I was going to say Rumble wise, probably the '89. No, Rumble. I know, but I, I was a child. Uh, I, through child's eyes, I will never watch it again. Exactly. Um, wow. 2013. I don't know. That's a hard one because I, I always, I always loved the Rumble matches. I thought they were fun. Uh, I can't, I can't pinpoint. I'll tell you the other one. I, it's more. It's easier to tell you about, you know, like the things I I didn't care for when Vince won from the standpoint of Vince, you know, Steve disappearing for 30 or 40 minutes and then coming back and entering the match. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a big fan of that because it, to me, it just cheapened the match. But um, maybe having having Brock go over was a was a good one. May I suggest 98 Royal Rumble? You got Stone Cold winning for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then you got the three faces of Foley. And, okay. And then you got The Rock kicking ass in that one, too. That was a great one. And you know what? I am going to get, I do know my my second favorite was uh, the Royal Rumble in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. Oh, yeah. In 97. Yeah. All right. Another big Austin win on that one. That that was, oh, that's right. and that's and that's what made me remember it. Steve sitting up, looking at his looking at his watch, waiting for people to come out and being eliminated and being able to sneak back in and getting rid of Brett. That was that was a we watched that one not long ago, and that told a great story all the way through. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the that's the real key is just the 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 story that kind of ties the whole thing together, and I'm sure that's the the hardest thing to do from a from a booking perspective to, to, to kind of rope everything in. Yep. Um, let's see if there's any, see, actually we we've covered some of these questions already. I apologize to the readers for, I got for one questions for I stepped on, but go ahead, man. Uh, Bruce, wh- who is your pick for this year's Royal rumble? I'm sure we're going to be talking about later in the episode, but uh, what's, what's your pick if you had a fantasy book? I would probably, you know what? Just because of, of what they did last time they were in Philadelphia, I'd pick Roman Reigns. <laughs> I would. I would. I'd have him kick everybody's ass. You're, like that would be awesome. You just want to watch the world burn, don't you? <laughs> no, you know what? I think I think that there would be a different reaction this time around and I think that the audience would embrace it if they did it right. Okay, I I, I don't I actually agree with you. I think that there I think that Roman is if he's not there already, he's getting very close to that John Cena territory of like, you know, he's earned the crowd's grudging respect. You yeah. know, and he I mean, he's had I said he was the wrestler of the year in WWE last year. I think it was he he was he he had he's had a hell of a run. I think he's great. And I think this whole Jason Jordan thing I was just saying before we start recording, Jason Jordan's gonna make him a full fledged babyface. Yeah. Can you remember but speaking of Roman Bruce, can you remember any specific times that uh, where it was clear that the crowd was turning somebody heel and, and Vince refused to believe it. John Cena all the way. Um, and, and to the opposite of that, Shawn Michaels is a baby face where you would just listen to the audience every night. Shawn would just tear the house down. The audience respected his work ethic so much and they loved his matches so much 
they weren't going to boo him and they were loving him. And Vince just saw a cocky, arrogant heel. He saw, you know, Sean Higginbottom and he wasn't about to make him a baby face, but the audience, man, they, they saw that long before Vince did. And I remember Pat Patterson and I being told, do not ever bring up making Shawn Michaels a baby face ever again. (laughs) And we left WrestleMania 11 or no 11, Uh, maybe 11, I guess it was. And Vince gets in the, in the car and says, God damn it. We've got a baby face on our hands. Why am I the only one that sees this? (laughs) And Pat and I looked at each other like, is he ribbing us right now? Because we were told three months ago, never to bring that up again. And we had been pushing for close to six, seven months hard that we need to turn Sean. We need to turn Sean. And he didn't see it. You know, I would have loved to have Hulk Hogan is another one that, especially when you go back in the WrestleMania nine time frame. I thought, you know, by Hulk coming back, the pitch, one of the pitches was to bring Hulk back as a heel. And Vince refused to even entertain it because he felt that Hulk Hogan was going to be that Babe Ruth that would never, ever be considered a heel. You can't make him a heel. And I wanted Brett to be the babyface and Hogan to be the heel. Hogan kind of worked heel at that return anyway. I mean, he was a real dick to Brett, (laughs) even though he even... He was, he, he was, he was, I think, he, I think you got your way. Yeah. Yeah. But, and the, but the, the, the problem was, was Vince just never saw him as a heel. And I, I kept thinking, I go there, listen to the, there are shitting on him. And it wasn't, it wasn't that Philly boo. I don't like what you're doing. It was like, fuck you. We're sick of Hulkamania. And if you flip the script on him and he talked about, you know, saying his prayers and eating his vitamins and Brett because we had the whole Arsenio Hall thing. I said, let Brett just say, well, I know what kind of vitamins you were taking, Hulk, and I don't take those vitamins. <laughs> I just work hard. And mm-hmm. and do just those little digs that Hogan was doing when he would go out and do interviews, like for newspapers, hoping that no one would would catch it, and then afterwards he could say he was misquoted. But he did that shit on purpose, and he was a natural heel. He was a great heel, as was evident with the NWO. But I think, it, in hindsight, for the WWF audience, I don't know. I, I We didn't do it, so we'll never know. Um, I don't know if th- that audience would have accepted him fully as a heel. It's tough. And that might have hurt him there. It worked in WCW because he was an outsider there. And when we brought him back in the NWO garb, they wanted their old red and yellow Hulk. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know if it would have worked. I would have loved to have tried. My biggest bitch with Vince would be, you know, he never let us fail. He wouldn't let us try and do something. Let it fail. Mm. Let's see. He would cut it off before it reached that point. Well, to be fair, though, the most insane thing I've ever heard on your show, and there's so much stuff, but, like, I thought it was just, like, this is the most, like, crazy wrestle-minded, like, where Hogan was like, look, I'm going to, I need to put some the next guy over. I need to put the next guy over. And he thought Brutus was going to be the next guy. Yeah. That, I, I thought that was, like, it almost sounded made it up. Yeah. No. He's, he understands sports entertainment. He's got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever advocate for turning Cena? Yes. And uh, at, at this point, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. But like, or if it does, I want it to happen now and then him grow the fake black beard <laughs> and then start playing air guitar. <laughs> you know what I want? I want somebody to, I actually, I want somebody to do the opposite. I want them to do their hair jet black and then bleach <laughs> their beard out. Cena is growing his hair out. For, for, for movies, this yeah. whole thing, we could book this whole scene of turning into Hollywood. Yes, he does his hair black and then he does either like a white, a shockingly white beard <laughs> and get a deep, deep tan or a bleach blonde beard. One of the two. Oh, man, I have never entertained the notion of Cena even owning a razor. Like, I, I think he just he's he just has such a baby face. He's 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 so clean shaven. all the time. Oh, like like Hogan's was real, too. So let's. <laughs> all right. That's fair enough. Um 
All right, Dan McLean wrote in to ask, and, and, and you mentioned Eddie earlier, but but if there's somebody else, is there a 90s superstar most deserving of a Royal Rumble win and Mania title shot who never got one? Hmm. Mick never won the Rumble. Yep. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's he's such a such a solid player. I mean, that three faces of Foley Rumble was just so epic, and it's almost like you didn't he didn't even need the win to get over. I mean, obviously, he eventually got it, but that I mean, that was a that, I mean, that he it is interesting that he never won one. Well, that's a cool thing about like I said about the Rumble. Like Kane got over from the Rumble as like a babyface. Um, yes, Diesel got over um, doing his like. It's just not winning the Rumble. It's there's like tears to it. Kofi. I mean, Grant, not New Day over, but got over from the, like, everyone's, you know, that's, you know, that's, I think, I think that's why, like, the Rumble's my favorite. It might even top WrestleMania sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Because it's really, it, it really is when you look at it, it's, it's like 15 mini matches mm-hmm. in a lot of respects, because every, every two minutes you've got a new participant in there and you're able, you're able to make people in different ways. You can make someone in how they're eliminated. Yeah. If they take a spectacular bump or if it's a mistake, whatever it is, you can further all your issues and angles in just so many different ways in the Rumble that you can't do anywhere else. Ultimate Warrior Macho, man. Right? All right. We got a couple of brother love questions from the listeners, and then we'll let you get out of here. Um, you, I'll, I'll re- repeat your sh- the show. It's Friday, January 19th at Barclays Center. Uh, two for one for the Nets game. Everybody in the New York tri-state area, you got to go and check them out. Uh, there's nothing like a something to wrestle live show. All right. This is from uh, Waleed. Who came up with Brother Love's scripts or promos? And I, There was a lot of, you had to accomplish a lot. So it wasn't just like cutting a promo. Like who, who how did, what, what kind of guidance did you get for all those? Marijuana is a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> That's all out of my head. Oh, I, wow. I came, I came up with the concept of brother love. I came up with the, the whole scenario from being a fan of having nothing else to watch in the South on Saturday and Sunday nights. Other than televangelists. Mm-hmm. I, I, I stole so much from Robert Tilton and Oral Roberts and Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart for promos in general. Those all sound like pro wrestling names too. Yeah. (laughs) But, but I had, I always had that alter ego of the evangelist in my back pocket because it always just, they could captivate me and, and I always loved to watch them manipulate a crowd, a really good evangelist, really good preacher. When they have an audience and they are able to captivate that audience and be able to take a take this audience and give you their last dollar when you have nothing to give, that's that's charisma. And that that was something that I always just admired. Um, I always thought it was a a crock of crap, but at the same time, (laughs) I just studied them and I always would go into a kind of a southern evangelist character, if you will. It was my alter ego. And one day I seriously sat Vince down and I pitched him. I said, what if we brought this, this guy in speaking of myself in third person? And and I did, and I didn't pitch me. I pitched the character first and I did the character. I did everything. And he says, I love it. Find me somebody to do it. (laughs) And he started to walk away. I said, no, 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 wait, wait, no, it's me. I do it. (laughs) can't do it with that face pal (laughs) i'm not gonna use this face i've got a whole look i've got a whole thing and and that's how it all began but i just would uh that was my alter ego uh john c wants to know how did you keep the red makeup from ruining the white suit what makeup (laughs) (laughs) all right we're uh we're keeping up kayfabe here my, my, th- this is, and this is where that comes from. I'll share the story with you. Maureen O'Boyle was a journalist, I guess, with the television show, A Current Affair. Is that even on the air anymore? I, I it, is it definitely went off the air. I don't know if it's come back okay. in some sort of weird form, but I know what you're talking well, about. 
back when back when I was watching, uh, and this was in the late '80s, Maureen O'Boyle did an interview with Tammy Faye Baker. Tammy Faye was the wife of Jim Baker, the disgraced evangelist uh, who got caught screwing his secretary in a Miami hotel room. Well, Tammy Faye used to wear all this makeup that it was just unbelievable how much makeup she would wear. And she would cry and her mascara would run. Maureen O'Boyle asked her in an interview. She says, you talk about being real and you talk about um, being genuine, but yet a lot of people comment about how much makeup you wear. And with a straight face, she looked at Maureen O'Boyle and she said, I don't wear makeup. Fast forward. This is now. Th- this took place like um, the interview, and I remembered it because it just—I loved it because she, her makeup was running at that point. I'm at nap at a nappy convention, which is a television <laughs> convention. I'm there as Brother Love, and Maureen O'Boyle interviews me, and she asks me. She says, "Who does your makeup?" In a million years, I couldn't have scripted it better. And I looked her straight in the face and I don't wear makeup. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she had no comeback for me. So I that's my story and I'm sticking to it. She uh, had to love that, though. that. That's perfect. That's perfect. She did. She was pissed, but she I, I don't I don't know if she got it or not because I stayed in character the whole time. That's so great. That's the best. And. And it was just, but the fact that she asked me the question and I knew the whole Tammy Faye thing and remembered it. And it was her. I was like, oh God, you've made my life. I can tap out right now. I'm good to go. All right. Our heel producer, Jim, has two quick backstage questions as they relate to the rumble. One, how- Jim gets to ask questions. Uh, he- I was not privy to this so i apologize we let him out of his cage occasionally uh for first of all how can you give us a brief description of what the backstage or gorilla area is like during the rumble is it just a madhouse is everybody lined up in order like how did or do you just call people out when it's time how does, how does all that work immediately right in the gorilla position i I've, I've usually would have the next five people okay uh pretty much and then everybody else is on deck downstairs and, and usually lined up kind of going over what they have to do and or watching the rumble itself just so they're not going to repeat spots. But when I ran gorilla right in front of me, I had, I had the next five ready to go and then one would go and I'd get the next one up there. And then this is uh, backstage at the end of the, uh, at the end of the rumble in 2005, Vince famously blows out both of his quads going to the ring. What on what the hell was happened when he got backstage? I mean, presumably he was headed to the hospital at that point, but what kind of that that must have been the most insane one of the most insane moments being back there ever right <laughs> well actually the the fact that he even made it back and made it up the ramp and he had help but he he made it back up the ramp so at the time i don't know that he had had torn both of them I think he had just torn one getting into the ring mm-hmm. when he got back and they were trying to get him down the steps at some point and nobody was around. I mean, they, everybody, everybody left cause we were all just trying to kind of scatter and figure out. And I think people were going for doctors and all this other stuff, but you heard an earth shattering scream that felt that sounded like someone was having their skin ripped from their body. And that's where he tore the second one was backstage. Cause he was trying to walk on that one because the other one was torn and that's where he tore the, the second one. And that's where the, the earth shattering scream came. Then when checked on him is like, man, both legs are messed up. That's horrifying. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's just utterly horrifying. Um, got a question for you. Um, with the women's rumble coming up, h- how the how hard is it now to not just book one rumble, but but two in the same night? How hard is that going to be for them? Man, they've probably been working on this for a couple of weeks now, so it's it's tough. It really and truly is because it takes a lot of people to coordinate it and make sure just one of them goes right. Now to try and do two. 
in one night is going to be challenging at best. But I think it's cool. I really, man, I think it's cool as hell that they're doing the girls rumble because man, the women's match, I think has the potential to be just as good, if not better than the guys. Well, and plus a lot more surprises too. Like, you know, we were all talking about like, I, I know I have my favorites about like if Lita and Trish Stratus could come back, that would be incredible. That would they exactly it really would be. And, you know, I, we were talking about something earlier today and I'm thinking, Oh my God, you know, if Sherry Martell were still with us today. This would be an opportunity for her to come out and be that, that mega superstar to come back, walk in the ring and just go batshit crazy and eliminate about eight people and then have, uh, whoever the hell flair come out and get rid of her. But it would be, it's that kind of a moment and it lends itself to all of the things that we've done over the years in Royal rumble matches. It's all new again with the women. And I think it's going to be a, an event to watch. I think it's going to be cool. And we got the cane spot probably with Nia Jax, Nia Jax. Yeah. Uh, hopefully miss Jackie comes back and does that Sherry Martell spot that you just uh, described. <laughs> yeah. What about call or karma? Oh yeah. Comes back. Well, she was in glow. I think some, yeah. glow pe- I think some people from glow are going to show up. Oh, that would be a great look. Yeah. I mean, um, I think that that would be cool and to give those spots out because you, you've got to have those those spots to make that rumble that, oh, my God, you won't believe who they had. Hopefully not Santino and drag, but but maybe <laughs> we, we never any, say never, never say never in WWE. Yeah, anything is possible. Um all right, we're gonna let you get out of here. I know. So you got. Uh, I don't want to go. <laughs> oh, you can you can stick around. You're gonna be on. You're gonna be on this 25th anniversary RAW. Um, I will say that I think part of what makes your show so great, part of what makes you so great, and this could be a total misreading of the situation, but it's out of all of the all of the former wrestling lifers that are out there in the public eye now, you seem to be the most well adjusted. Uh, oh, yeah. To to your post wrestling life <laughs> by far. But that being said, when you get backstage, when you get with the boys, when you get near Vince or whoever, like, is, do, do you think your mouth is going to be watering? You're going to miss being back there? Or, or, or do you think it's, is, is this just showing up and saying hi and, and doing a little spot and, and, and going home? I, I would be lying to you if I, was, if I said I wasn't really looking forward to it and anticipating it. The, it's a different time and it's, it's a different place. I thoroughly loved the run that I had. I had a great run, had an absolute blast in every moment. And that's why I try, I try to convey that in everything I do, because a lot of times when people leave, they want to say, Oh, I got screwed. I had such a horrible time. This guy did this to me. This guy did that to me. Instead of talking about the great time, if it was so bad, why'd you stay for so long? And I was there 22 years and, and I met a lot of great people. I had a lot of fun. And even in the bad times, it was still fun. <laughs> you can still, you can I can point out the times that I was ready to just pull my hair out and, and walk out the door and never come back again. But there was always that inner pull saying, I can't leave this. And then when they kick you out the door, you're bitter for a little bit, but at the same time, you just kind of look back and go, I lived a life that other people could only dream of, and it was a pretty good life. So be happy with that and, and move on and make make other things better and do what you can to further. So I just try to look at things that way because I did. I had a blast, and and the people that were there that I liked when I was there and that I got along with, and we had some really good times. The fact that we're not there doesn't change that. So I'm going to go back fondly and, and be happy to see everybody. I don't know if everybody will be happy to see me, but I'll be happy <laughs> to see them. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a blast and I'm just excited to see who else they're going to have there as everybody else is. And like I said, I didn't know they were going to advertise me. So I guess that means, yes, I'm really going to do it. Uh, <laughs> Cause you never really know, man, at the last minute, they could have pulled the plug out from me and, and just said, yeah, we've reconsidered and we think it might be best if you stay home. Well, I mean, the, um, re- the real wrestling, the wrestler thing to do right now is they've, now that they've announced you, it's time to renegotiate your, your payment, right? Yeah. 
Um, you know what? I'm really just happy to be there and it's, it's not about that anymore. And, and I'm, I'm happy that I'm at that point too. I mean, yes, it is. It's always about that, but, um, I'm just happy to, to be a part of it and happy to be considered. All right. Well, we got to let you go. We actually got to get out of the studio. Uh, Bruce, so, thanks so much for coming on the show and for, uh, and for the, imparting your wisdom to us. Um, I'll, I'll run, run it down one more time. You're having the live show Friday, January 19th, a doubleheader with the Brooklyn Nets at Barclays Center. One ticket, you get an NBA game, the Nets versus the Miami Heat, and right after that, it will be a live something to wrestle with Bruce and Conrad. Tickets start as low as 35 bucks and can be purchased at boxofgimmicks.com. Am I forgetting anything, Bruce? Uh, you got it all, man. And uh, just give our Twitter handles. The show is at Pritchard Show on Twitter. Conrad is at Hey, Hey, It's Conrad. I'm at Bruce Pritchard. Don't put a T in my name. Put one on your back at BrucePritchard.com <laughs> where we've got all those great T-shirts. And uh, you know what? I would be remiss if I didn't talk about a week after we're in New York, we're going to be in Philadelphia at the old ECW arena. Ooh. And they've got a convention going on there. And I'll be there Saturday and Sunday. But uh, on the 27th of January, I'm doing a doubleheader with Jake the Snake Roberts. And those tickets are at pronoun pa- pronounspal.com. So it's going to be an interesting next few weeks for me. Well, have fun, man. And please do the Brian Gerwitz uh, full-length episode. Um <laughs> please make that happen for me oh god you know we had brought we had brian on our last uh new york show that we did live and the little bastard he didn't want to come out and i, I got him i agreed to get him to come out for one story he stayed the whole show and stole the show oh he'll love it trust me he'll he'll love it so, he won't ever admit it but he'll love it <laughs> Brian, yeah. Brian is fantastic, and uh, and so are you, Bruce. Of course. Uh, thank you. Thanks again for coming thanks, on, guys. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. I hope so, man. Take care. All right. Thanks, Bruce Pritchard. We got to get out of here. Nick Mundy. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Do you want to plug anything? Uh, check out the Team Tiger Awesome Show coming up. We're going to be on Westwood One, home of Jericho's new uh, Jericho, Chris Jericho's new home. Yeah. Hero of Wrestle Kingdom. We're following him, like the. Uh, like the side fish we are. Um, yeah, so our show is coming back, uh, is going to be on the Westwood One, and uh, check it out. Team Tiger Awesome Show, and at Twitter at Dick Fundy for any complaints. Uh, Mask Man Show on Twitter is at Mask Man Show. I'm at David Shoemaker. Apologies, as always, to Dean Ambrose. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on the Masked Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Masked Man Show. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you, guys. That hey, was Bruce. amazing. That was so much fun. Yes. Bruce, while we have you, would you mind saying uh, just a quick little promo? Like, hey, this is Bruce Pritchard, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. <sighs> what the fuck? <laughs>